From the corner of Munson and Civic Center Boulevard, you are listening to the brand new bi-weekly podcast called Into the Depths with the Men Are Icebreakers, where we will take an in-depth look at your Men Are Icebreakers and the FPHL as a whole. We'll catch up with Coach Ragno, the front office, and even players on the roster, all while keeping you informed on everything Icebreakers. So we have another pretty packed show for you today. Uh, first off, me and Angela are going to go back through some of our favorite moments over the two-year history of the Icebreakers. From there, we have interviews with Henry Berger and Josh Newberg before getting into around the FPHL, talking about some of the league news. Um, after that, our fan mailbox segment with GM Nick Russo. Yeah, and uh, somewhere we're going to sneak in there. There is an official mascot tournament tournament going on, and uh, second first-round matchup going. So we'll take a look at that as well, something fun that the Port Huron Prowlers fan club has uh, begun for the fans as we're in the waiting period for that schedule release, which we talked about. We were going to dive into that as soon as the schedule comes out because, Jared, you can't do a schedule uh, release party without a schedule, right? There's just so much going on right now. I think it's tough for the league to set a date for certain because, you know, every month, week to week even, things are just changing constantly. Yeah, thanks for joining us here on Episode 2 of Into the Depths. And, Jared, let's dive in now and take a look at some news releases since our last show two weeks ago. Yeah, a ton of roster moves the team announced last week. Uh, first and foremost, four new players on PTO contracts. Forward Chris Hunt, defenseman Michael Raskin, defenseman John Bresnicki, and goaltender Brendan Colgan. And Colgan just adds another body into what's becoming a really crowded goaltender battle here in uh, training camp. Brendan Colgan, a former member of Westchester University's ACHA club hockey team, six foot three, 215 pounds, uh, had a 2.33 goals against and 919 save percentage as a senior. Then some returning player news, uh, Blake Nada re-signed for the upcoming season on a standard player contract, so he'll be back in Menor for the 2020-2021 season. You talk about Westchester and that area uh, between Coach Ragno and General Manager Nick Russo, that uh, Pennsylvania into the New York into Canada areas, very well scouted by our coach and GM. And Blake Nada, I thought last year, uh, you know, really progressed along the way. He had always been a very physical player, someone that could, you know, crash the boards for you, but he added some finesse, I think, out there on the ice as well last year for Menor. They only had 13 points on the season, but if you remember, four of those points came in that 6-5 to five win over Delaware to close out the season, and that was a really big game for Blake, kind of felt like a breakout game. I wish I could have seen him build off of that moving forward. But uh, So next, uh, Josh Newberg, named a player assistant coach for the Icebreakers, so we'll be talking to Josh later on in the episode. Yeah, Josh had... Uh, you know, came in midseason and I thought really showed a lot of grit, especially with all the changes and transitions going on at the end of February into early March, which ended up being the end of the season. Uh, should have still been another month or so to go, not counting playoffs. But he came in and had that great game against Port Huron, scoring two late uh, late third period goals and I think he provided some backbone to a team with so many new faces and was desperately needed so good to see him getting awarded the title of player and assistant coach uh, definitely well deserved and moving on we have defenseman William Sandstrom who was signed to a contract earlier this offseason he's been loaned to a team in his native Sweden uh, division three playing professionally for Lions HC uh, William is expected to be coming back to Menor whenever the FPHL season does end up starting and then Tyler Doster, who signed a PTO with Menor in June, is going to stay in junior hockey for one more season. So that's one more, uh, one less forward, that is, for training camp coming up here in the next couple of months. And then the last piece of news we have is Tim Perks, who's been here since 2018. He was here for the first game. He's, uh, he's headed to Motor City, playing near his hometown for the Motor City Rockers in Fraser, Michigan. You know, and good for Tim. Uh, great guy, and he really battled through both coming back off of injuries multiple times and, and finding ways to contribute to the ice. And I know we were really excited when he got that first goal last year after the lengthy spell he was injured. And, you know, somebody we got to catch up with quite a bit off the air uh, in between and would do anything for the team uh, behind the scenes and on the ice as well. And very intelligent guy, too, very well read. Um, understood the game and really had a great mindset, though, because he had a lot of uh, curveballs, so to speak, thrown his way with injuries and everything. So glad he was able to get back on the ice for Menor and be a part of the team for uh, the first two seasons and hey, going closer to home and uh, good for him. And it'll help out the Motor City Rockers. Uh, definitely will add 
a lot of uh, good mindset up there for a, a collection of new players, so they'll need that. I'm not sure people really fully understand just how much Tim did for the team while he was here because he didn't play a ton of games because he was a little bit injury prone in his two years in Menor. But, you know, you show up on game nights and there's Tim with the pizza for all the off-ice officials or he'll be doing laundry for all the guys or just little things like that. He'd find a way to help even if he wasn't on the ice. Yeah, and always kept a great uh, attitude about it all. Someone that just controlled the controllables and took the punches along the way. And when he was out on the ice, he did contribute in his uh, brief stints out there for the guys in double blue. So we'll miss Timmy down here at Menorah Arena, but we wish him all the best up there at uh, Motor City in, in Fraser, Michigan. As Frank Stallone sings in Rocky One, Take You Back, a song we use for the Icebreakers postseason show. We're going to take you back in just a moment down memory lane. But get ready to surf, fish, and bask in the sun with Slam. Go to www.menoricebreakers.com and click the Team Store tab at the top to check out all of the official Menor Icebreakers merchandise for sale, including our summer line of three new t-shirts. The shirts are gray and feature Slam the Shark having a blast doing some favorite summer pastimes they're available in sizes medium through 2xl and around 20 dollars. so finish the summer strong and check out the cool new gear all at www.mannericebreakers.com and if we take you back we're going to go all the way back to the end of october 2018 and jared you're actually going to go a little bit earlier than october aren't you yeah, so for some context here, just revisiting this, the inaugural game for the Icebreakers, um, I was originally brought on as an intern August of 2018, right after Ian Duncan was hired as the head coach and GM of the team. And so my first two weeks as an intern, it was just me and Ian in the office just doing basically everything you had to do to get a team ready because there wasn't really a full staff yet. The team had just been announced a couple of weeks prior. So we spent two months ahead of that inaugural night just trying to sell sponsorships, uh, building a pro team from scratch and you know I was, I was a sophomore in college at that point um, you know as a sport management major I was kind of living the dream getting, <laughs> getting to build a hockey team from scratch was really just so much fun a lot of hands-on experience you were getting yeah <laughs> you know going out and doing sales calls and things that I had no idea what I was doing but <laughs> you know, looking back on it it was really good experience for me and just learning how to do that stuff on the fly it was it was difficult but it was fun but I do remember on opening night just absolute chaos everywhere I don't know what what you exactly recall oh, from that, but I, I remember that night very uh, vividly. Um, so, backtrack, you know, and I got to thank Coach uh, Ian Duncan, first coach in history, for giving me the opportunity to uh, be a part of the communication staff, and that was just a couple weeks prior to the season started. I had reached out to him. I saw uh, an an ad for the Icebreakers coming in the Lake County Tribune, which comes out on Fridays, and I thought, you know what, I'll reach out and see if they need any communications. He got back to me right away and said, can you come in Tuesday? I was actually going up to both of our alma mater, Bowling Greens, for homecoming with my uh, wife that weekend. And got back in town and went up and talked to him on that Tuesday and got hired in and was initially going to be the PA announcer, public address announcer, um, the guy that you know introduces the teams and makes the calls throughout the game. So, and that's something I had done for uh, other sports as well. I had done play-by-play and color commentary, but never for hockey before. So, because uh, actually at Bowling Green, a little side note, they had one flagship person do all of the hockey games. And ironically, uh, between our two podcasts, the uh, guy that did it, Everett Fitzhugh, just got uh, bumped up to the National Hockey League for the Seattle Kraken. He'll be doing their play-by-play duties. So, congrats to him. But anyway, never had a chance to do hockey. So, I was told you probably like 70% or so be doing PA. And so that's what I practice. How am I going to announce men are ice breakers? Am I going to land on ice? Am I going to land on breakers? Draw it out. And that's what I had been practicing even that day. And uh, I got to the uh, office around 6 o'clock. And like Jared said, everybody's going nine ways, this way and that way. And uh, I told, uh, you're going to be doing play-by-play. And I thought, wow, okay. So <laughs> game believe started at 735 uh, got the rosters at 635 and we played Watertown the first like six games so I didn't really know Watertown for Menor they're both wearing shades of white and blue uh, there's a lot of Finnish and Russian names I'm trying to learn them and I'm trying to remember who's on which team let alone figure out how to call a game of hockey so I related it to sports I had a lot more knowledge of like basketball and soccer and uh, 
The crazy thing thing is, well, it's the only game we broadcasted from the team office before we moved to the Breakers broadcast booth adjacent over. And what happened was uh, the uh, players that were not playing, I don't know if they were injured or just reserve players, they were running the video stream. So I felt a lot of pressure because I'm trying to make my way through the first hockey broadcast, and these two guys are listening. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, they probably think how silly I sound. So I asked them at the end of the first period, and they're like, Oh, well, you've been doing it for a couple of years. I'm like, no, this is the first game. They're like, okay, then you're doing good. I'm like, okay, I just wanted to get through that one. I knew it was going to be rough, and I just tried my best. But I definitely learned real quick. But it was grateful for the opportunity. It just, you know, it was everybody was all hands in, and you had to be on your toes and ready to go. Uh, and, you know, it's definitely a real quick learning curve, but in a way kind of forced you to really dive in and learn as much about hockey as possible, at least from my end, because I wasn't coming in with – like a, a wealth of hockey knowledge. If you go back and look at that first broadcast, I think it's on our YouTube channel, actually. we were. You don't have the, to go back and listen you don't to that have first to, broadcast. But if you want to be entertained, <laughs> it was, we, were, we had the cameraman standing holding the camera through a glass window in the team office, and then we had Angelo holding a little microphone attached to the camera. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Trying to call his first ever <laughs> hockey game from the corner of the arena with a, just a terrible view. So I mean, all things considered, it didn't turn out all that terrible. We made it through. My goal was when I found out I was doing play-by-play, you have to do the broadcast. And Jared wasn't alongside me. We'll get to when he joined me on on, uh, on the broadcast, which was much appreciated later. But it's just me. So I I told myself, hey, if you're not talking, nobody's talking. So somebody had to talk. And this was uh, the TFM Sports Days. So people are are paying to hear me, the rookie of all rookies. Greener than a green thumb called this hockey game. So I'm like, well, you got to talk. People are paying to hear the debut game of the men are icebreakers. So we did it, and we just slowly tried to improve. Hopefully we did. And I remember before that broadcast, that was one of those things that kind of fell completely off our radar getting ready for the season is how are we going to broadcast this? You know, what's the plan for this? Where are we going to do it from? So we figured that all out the day of. I remember uh, Jen Bernard, who used to be our office manager, is kind of taking a backseat role now. Um, she was on the phone with Eric Thorstein from the League Offices who coordinates the live streams trying to get the broadcast set up an hour before the game where it's just chaos in the office and then there's Jen huddled over a laptop trying to get this thing set up having no idea what's going on and that just kind of embodies the chaos that was the <laughs> inaugural game for the men or I remember specifically there was a player and I hope I get it right Sergei Grabenchikov and he was one of several Finnish or Russian names and I'm thinking I've got 44 names to learn, including names like Sergei Grabenchikov, and then remembering which team he's on and thinking, wow, I hope I don't mess this all up. That was definitely a a wild game. If you listen to your broadcast now and your first broadcast, it's like a whole different person is talking. It's like... You can tell you've, you've watched some hockey games over yeah. the last couple of years. Definitely had the quick uh, learning curve. So if you flash forward to the end of that season when a lot more things both on the ice and off the ice were going much more uh, smoothly, and it was Jared's debut broadcast, Sunday, March 10th, 2019. And Jared, you I think you were waiting for the game of the year and maybe the greatest game in uh, Icebreaker's history to debut. I, th- I think that's what you were doing because it was the 8-7 comeback win over Danville. First overtime win in franchise history. How about this? Down 7-5 with 54 seconds left. And it's game 142 of the FPHL season. And we outshot Danville 21-3 in that third period. 48-31 to overall. So 55 seconds left. Painesville, Ohio native Declan Conway scores from uh, Brody Duncan and Gordy Bennell. And four seconds left in a scrum of action in front of the net frantically. And we're trying to keep up with it. Tommy Mahoney scores from the slot from Patrick Pork and a tied up. So two goals in that final minute. And then a minute four into overtime when we lost our voice. The breakaway goal for Parker Moskal from Porka and Mahoney on the double assist. And we win 8-7 in dramatic fashion. I mean, that was insane. Yeah, definitely one of the better hockey games I've ever seen live. I mean... From the last second goal by Tommy Mahoney on that scramble in front, I remember just losing our voices, losing our minds, <laughs> and then Parker Moss will get in the breakaway in overtime. You just knew he was going to score at that point. I mean, I think Icebreakers had all the momentum. And I think that was one of our most rewatched, not because of us, but because of how crazy it was, one of our most rewatched uh, clips where we isolated just the, you know, a couple of the highlights. So that 
that was a definitely fan favorite to look through, and I know I look back on that one, and I mean, we had a blast on that Sunday, and it's actually still the only overtime uh, victory, if I'm not mistaken, for Mena, right? Yeah, and this is going to sound weird, but like, you know, this past season, losing 16 straight games, you, you got to look for some good vibes somewhere. So I'd go back every once in a while and just rewatch <laughs> that highlight, the last minute of that regulation and the overtime goal, and ju just to get some good vibes going and, you know, get a good feeling about the icebreakers again. You know, forget about there were so many players in that first year, and a guy like Patrick Porker or Tommy Mahoney. Mahoney with that, you know, big frame, too, was a great offensive weapon. Porker had some size on him, too. So there were some quality players that, uh, you know, so much has happened in the second season has felt like four seasons long, even though it was the shortest one uh, cut back because of all the uh, pandemic and all that stuff. But there was that there was a, a, a nice team building there at the end of the last couple months of the 18-19 season. Yeah, and that first season, it was like the team was built throughout the season. If you look at the opening at roster compared to even like a night in February, all those guys that were the contributors were not there at the beginning of the season. Aside from maybe Declan Conway, Richie Pinkowski, a few guys that stuck around through the entire season. But the two goaltenders, Derek Moser, John Selly Hansen, they weren't a part of the team until, what, November, uh, December, I think, for Selly Hansen. Yeah. Matt Kadoff was a huge pickup during that season. January, I believe he came, or maybe late December. Yeah, and Tommy Mahoney as well. I and mean, we had a really, we had some big boys on that team. We had really good size compared to last season. When you think about it, and that's what the icebreakers are trying to get some size back. But going back, the uh, New Year's Eve game of the inaugural season, a 5-4 win over Port Huron, and we had the glow sticks and the black tie affair and the after game party. Uh, Vaughn Clauston had a two-goal, four-point night. Brody Duncan had a trio of assists, and Kadoff Porka and Thomas McKinnon all scored. Yeah, McKinnon had that untimely injury that took him out for the rest of the year shortly after, but that was a fun one. Uh, you know, first holiday game here at Menor Ice Arena, and that's been the only one my um, on New Year's Eve, obviously, in only two years so far, but uh, that was a fun game. And uh, funny story a side of note on uh got to give credit to the assist here to Clauston as he told me um he was listening to our first broadcast and I was asking anybody for any tips on how to get better and he said I'm going to save you a lot of oxygen and a lot of breath unlike basketball and other sports you don't need to announce each substitution on the line change and I was trying to keep up with it I was doing okay but it took so much breath and there was never a pause so him allowing me to know that you don't need to call each change in was huge and I've carry that through it sounds like it's something that isn't that big of a deal but if you don't know when you're doing that every line change I mean it's like that takes over your play-by-play -play yes I was very winded half the time I was spending in those early broadcasts announcing line changes so thank you Clauston there you go you know that whole uh trio of Tim Perks Von Clauston Stephen Feller those guys that grew up playing together they're all gone now it's kind of sad but they're all still in the league so we do get to see them every once in a while yeah and we got a backtrack how about to November 17th 2018 take you back to the first win and it happened at home and it was 6-4 in game 24 of that young season started up 3-0 and it looked like okay this is going to be it for the icebreakers uh, a challenge Coming back at you, uh, finished the third, winning two to one goals. Uh, Benel Conway and Drake Hunter, who was our first call up, added some goals in a three goal night for Mark Esri. So that was fun to get that first win uh, and get it out of the way. You got to get the monkey off your back at some point. Yeah, I want to say that game was in Port Huron because I don't think we won our first home game until. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. I'm thinking. No, no, we won. Stand back corrected. We won. That was the first game. That was at Port Huron. But on Thanksgiving Eve the next week, we beat the Carolina Thunderbirds at home. It was that was my combo memory. Is we beat the uh, the Thunderbirds the eve of Thanksgiving, and then remember we went to Carolina for the Thanksgiving game the next day. Well, we didn't, but the team did on the bus. And uh, then they played them again on Saturday. But we took the one on Thanksgiving Eve after getting that first inaugural win um, against Port Huron. So that combo in November to get the first home and away win. Yeah, and one of those games at Carolina, I remember, it was the first shutout. Uh, it was Derek Moser's first pro yep. shutout. And I remember the third goal in that game was Ryan Alves on a breakaway. And, you know, he, he hit the puck and it, was, it went right off the post. And... He managed to bat it out of the air with his stick while he was almost behind the net and scored like I that. I do remember it was, it that now that you goal. say that. that. Yeah. So that was big. Got to get the first home and away wins. You know, coach, GM, everybody excited. You just got to get those players 
get it out of the way. You know, you're here. You can compete. You can win, especially, I mean, Carolina's year they had win. When they win 24, 27 in a row at one point last year. I mean, the first year. Uh, my last memory I want to take a look at was fast forward now uh, to Boxing Day, December 26th and 19. The 6-5 win over Danbury, and I really had a blast calling this game. It was one of the more fun games, I think, to call uh, from a broadcaster's standpoint. Up 3-0, to zero, I remember some awesome saves by Austin Rodebush. Rody back there, I remember made one where he jumped into the air and landed in a seated position with it secured in his glove. Conway had two goals, four points. Farrington had a goal and three points. Rodebush with an 875 save percentage, 35 saves in that jumping one. Uh, you know, Morrow scored, McKenna was in on the action, and it was just a really fun game. Actually, the only time we got to play Danbury last year because of the pandemic, never got to have the two away. So we're 1-0 against the Hattricks, a very solid team. But that, I really thought, was a fun game. And honestly, I think it was the most fun game to call since that uh, Danville game the previous season. And it was such a weird one because Danbury, I think, had won 11 straight games going into that game. Uh, yep. They were a little bit shorthanded coming to Menor. Snapped the streak. I, was, I think both those teams were kind of trending in the opposite directions because at that point, the Icebreakers had lost Parker Moscow, I think. I don't know if John Butita was still with them at that point. Butita, this game was the 26th, and if I if memory serves me correct, Butita was gone for the next couple of games when we played Port Huron. So I think that was right at the end of him. And then Rodebush we lost around January 15th, 16th. So, yeah, the transitions were beginning to be in the works. Um, and Moscow was, yeah, already traded, but – that was a really fun game, though. I, I had a blast calling that game, and it was a pretty good crowd here, too. Day after Christmas, something fun to do and catch some good pro hockey right in your backyard. And one more thing I do want to talk about really quick is, of course, Mark Deasley scoring in the season finale against Elmira. Right down on the net we're looking at here at Metro Civic Ice Arena. But that was, that was a moment to remember, his first pro goal in 20 years since he last played with Coach Duncan on the Toledo Storm. Yeah, that was really cool on the final uh, – home stand of the season uh, was that against Elmira I believe he did and uh we caught up with him after did an interview I know he had the hard hat on and he was just taking it all in I mean good for him I mean getting out there and contributing still in a hockey game and uh getting a goal so that was a fun moment if he was going to score in a pro game that's exactly how it was going to be just <laughs> him crashing the net and getting a loose puck and being in the right place at the right time that's exactly what happened in that game yeah, that's half the battle. I mean, but you know, going through these memories doesn't it make you want you want some new ones, right? You got to we got to add some more memories to these and get a third season as soon as it's you know safe and get clearance to get everybody here and everything going. Uh, I'm definitely excited to have some more memories. I know the team's been really busy in the off season, so we'll get some more to talk about for the future years. Yeah, for sure. And the roster this year is looking much better than it has in years past. To be honest, even before training camp, a lot of these signings we've had. Have just impact players that we have not had in Menor before. So definitely excited for that. And uh, one other thing, unrelated to memories, but while we're on the uh, kind of fun topic, just real quick wanted to throw out there to the uh, Fanatics because you can get involved because uh, next week is our week. It's the mascot tournament. I believe you have to be a member of the Port here on Prowlers Fan Club, so they're seeing a huge uptick there. So I guess that was a cool thing for them. But the number one seeded Winston and Salem mascots, a pair of birds, reminding me of Bowling Green's Freddie and Frida Falcon. They won 95-51 over Torch and Scorch, the dragon duo uh, down in Columbus. Now this week it is Buzz, still getting the push. Battle Creek Rumblebees living on in the mascot tournament. He's the five seed going up against the four seeded Dash for Danville. And uh, Dash has a slight lead both in the 20s. Uh, spoiler alert, I voted for Buzz. Let the Rumblebees live on, at least in this mascot tournament. So in those couple of matchups, Jared, where would you have cited? Uh, Winston and Salem or Torch and Scorch and Buzz or Dash? Oh, a lot of tough ones there. Definitely got to go with Buzz in the second matchup. Um, the underdog. Yeah, you got to gotta let Buzz win. I think it's big. <laughs> I thought he was BB Sting. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? It is BB Sting, but he buzzed his way. You know, I'm just happy whether it's BB Sting, Buzz. Buzz could have been a good name for him, though. But yeah, BB Sting, you are right. Well, I voted for BB Sting. Nobody voted for Buzz because it's not a choice. But I voted for him. I voted for Tortured Scorch. I like Winston and Salem too. But I don't know. I went with the Dragons. So next week, though, it's obvious for anyone 
as a fanatic listening. The three-seeded mitts for Port Huron, which I'm worried about because it's the home group, so they could get a lot of votes versus the six-seeded slam. I mean, we need all the fanatics to vote for slam, right? Yeah, we should have had this on an actual just FPHL fan page instead of a team yeah. fan page. I think it's a little little unfair for us here. Against well, they have Port the Huron. home court advantage there. So, so what? they just got to go to the Port Huron Prowlers fan club Facebook page and join it next week and you only get one vote per person so you can't just uh, sit there on your lunch break and kick, keep clicking slam but you can tell everybody you know to vote for slam we got to make it out of the first round and upset Mitz no no offense to Mitz the Cougar uh, but slam's got to take down the Prowlers there in that round and then the last matchup the week after will be Blizzard the Wolf versus Captain Canine of Elmira and I don't know if I'm just Mr. Upset because it would be four straight upsets in a row, but I got to side with Blizzard on this one. Yeah, I remember Blizzard was our first game ever, so you got to go with Blizzard. Got to stay loyal. And, of course, we're picking Slam to win it all. Uh, we won't go through the whole bracket, but the way you do it is you go to the Port Huron Prowlers Fan Club on Facebook. You join, they instantly pretty much add you because they know they're getting a lot of people from all over the team. They're getting a huge uptick in uh, fans on that page. And then uh, you can vote for Buzz or BB Sting. Sorry, BB Sting. Let the memory live on versus uh, Dash at Danville this week and next week for sure. Got to vote for Slam Fanatics. Got to beat Mitch. Got to get that upset and uh, advance on. We would face the winner of Blizzard and Captain Canine. So it's a fun little thing they're doing to hold over until the season starts because obviously we won't be starting at the end of October. So check it out. All right, now we're joined with Henry Berger, the Claremont, California native, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So where is Claremont in California? Um, Claremont is about 25 miles from L.A. Okay. And uh, now here in Menor, a little bit different than Claremont, I'm sure. Yeah, different, uh, less traffic, um, but uh, uh, more hockey around here, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that is that is definitely always more hockey is a good thing indeed. So last year you actually played in the most games as an icebreaker. You suited up for 47 games, and that's something the team really needed last year with the kind of constant revolving door. So you saw a lot of the changes throughout the year and everything. Did you end up you know, being able to provide kind of a solidifying presence out there to the guys coming in and out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I was able to talk to a lot of the new guys coming uh, coming in, and uh, I did explain to them that I've been in a, a lot of games uh, as far as the season, ups and downs, and um, we kind of had a different vibe when uh, new players came, so we kind of just had to figure out how to play as uh, one. So it, I think it did. Um, we finished strong at least, and uh, we're looking forward to next year. Resigned uh, back in June. You had five eight thirteen uh, scoring performance last year, and uh, listed. As both forward defensemen, you played a little bit of both, uh, just kind of helping out the team any way you can, or do you do you prefer to be distinctly in one role or the other? Uh, well, I grew up uh, my whole life playing forward, um, and I came here last year, and we had some uh, injuries in the very beginning of the season, so I started um, defense. I'd probably say played every game as defense, maybe uh, except exception of two. Um, and uh, I had no problem with it. Um, I enjoyed it, and I think it added some value to my playing if I can play both. Um, there's similarities and differences, for sure, in forward and defense, but uh, this year I, I'm ready to play both, kind of just go with the flow on whatever we need. I'm ready to help the team with that. And kind of being that in-between, you know, an offensively-minded defensive player, you're able to get the puck back up and create scoring opportunities but also cut people off. You know, that's very useful on the ice, being able to go, you know, the coast-to-coast coast there either way. So now you look forward, and hopefully we're all crossing our fingers. We're going to get to play, and I know that's in the works here soon. But assuming we get out on the ice uh, and you're part of the Icebreakers now, what are you looking forward to most this year? Um, starting fresh. Um, I know we had, uh, with all the changes last year, it was a little tough on some players, but, um, uh, the people that are here, the, the people that want to be here, we signed a, a lot of PTOs, um, a lot of new player contracts, and I'm just for excited, uh, for, to get started. Awesome. Well, I hope we all get out there. You did great last year, 47 games played. Definitely needed some of that consistency in the lineup. I know uh, Coach uh, definitely appreciated having you know, somebody could count on there. And Great job last year. We look forward to seeing you on the ice here in a couple of months. All right, sounds good. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. That was Henry Berger joining us, the defenseman forward, jack-of-all-trades here on the Men Are Icebreakers. All right, we're joined alongside now by Josh Newberg, who was with the team last season and has now been promoted to 
assistant coach as a, as a player on the ice. And I uh, want to ask some questions with Josh, especially now with his promotions. And congratulations, Josh. Uh, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. What was your approach just joining the team last season, uh, joining a struggling team full of young guys? Did you kind of have a certain mindset that you were there to help out the young guys or just there to score and be a, you know, a contributing forward? Like, what was your mindset going in? Uh, well, when uh, Coach Duncan brought me in last year, uh, he told me we were a little weak on the back end. So uh, he wanted me to help out on defense and uh, kind of help some of the younger D with, uh, you know, winning battles and good first passes, clearing net front, things like that. But uh, after that first weekend in Columbus, uh, he thought I'd be most effective at center, uh, my natural position. And I think the staff really saw that I can lead by example and, you know, help uh, off the ice too, whether it's, uh, you know, in the office or off ice training or player development. So uh, I'm going to use uh, whatever knowledge I got to help any way I can while, you know, keeping a winning mindset going forward. So... Last season, you come in and there's a lot of new faces uh, on the ice, a lot of transitions going on. So what were some of the promising things you were seeing from the icebreakers at the end of last season? Uh, you know, right away, I just kind of liked the work ethic that I saw here. And, uh, you know, I, I came in at a strange time. Uh, it was a little transition period there. But, um, but I definitely saw the positives. I definitely saw some of the guys coming together. And uh, again, I really like, uh, I really like, uh, you know, some of the things that Coach Ragno did when he uh, came into a tough situation. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, with some recruitment over the off season, uh, I think we can put together a good team. So this year, uh, being named a player coach, how does that kind of affect just your approach to the team and to the season? It's like a really unique situation with you because you're almost a decade older than your head coach, Sebastian. So what's also what's that dynamic like between you two? Uh, well, I think they uh, really saw me as a role guy here. Um, one thing that was made clear to me is uh, I'm a player first. Uh, I'm really happy with that, the fact that I'll be able to really focus on performing. And I hope they have uh, high expectations of me as a player. That being said, I've been in contact with Coach Ragno since March. Um, you know, like I said before, I really like his work ethic, uh, his attention to detail, and the uh, He's been pretty open about uh, what else he expects, such as, you know, guidance for some of the guys coming from juniors uh, in their transition to pro and, you know, just helping out in the office as much as I can. You know, it's not easy putting together a competitive team, especially after the fallout last year. But I'm looking forward to stepping up and uh, I really like the people in charge here. And again, how much time and effort that's put in. So I'm real excited to work with them and help out in any and all ways I can. Uh, and, you know, I have a pretty big gap in my resume. So, uh, you know, I'm still learning along the way as well. Yeah. And as a side note, I think uh, Coach Ragno, even though being younger, his, uh, like you said, attention to detail, he uh, he may be young in age, but, um, you know, really has kind of a, a mature approach and is uh, putting a lot of work in to uh, learn as much as he can quickly in, in his new role. So he's done a great job, I think, so far, Coach Ragno. Um, what are your thoughts, though, on the icebreaker fans? We might not have uh, the hugest group of fans, obviously, you know, seating capacity for about twelve to 1,600 max, uh, but it's growing. And uh, well, the ones we have are passionate. So what do you, what do you see from the icebreaker fans so <clears throat> far in, in your uh, first couple of months on the team? Uh, yeah, definitely. In, uh, in February, I got there right before a road trip. And just by all the, you know, care packages that they make for each player on those long bus rides, uh, you could see the thought our, put, our fans uh, put into supporting the boys and helping out with small things like that, uh, which I think does make a difference. You know, I think that's really important in minor league hockey, uh, the community gathering around the team. Uh, we can feel their enthusiasm, we feed off their passion, and we're going to do our best to put together some entertaining games for a great fan base. So we were talking earlier in the show, uh, you were actually the first player ever to score against the Icebreakers when you were at the Watertown Wolves. So can you talk a little bit about your time while you were in Watertown? You know, what, what was it like and how did you establish yourself on that roster that had so much uh, pro talent? Uh, yeah, I, I loved it in Watertown. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of talent. Um, that was my... That was my first real full season back uh, after coming out of retirement. And uh, for the most part, I was a grinder there. 
you know, they used me to kill penalties, win face-offs, win battles, and kind of something they didn't have there. You know, sometimes it's all about being that missing link that uh, that a team needs to put together a complete roster. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've formed some good relationships there, and I really enjoyed my time there, and I learned a lot. I tell you what, Josh, uh, I like your uh, goals scored for the guys in double blue even more than the one you scored first against us, though. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Hey, you got to play for the team you're on at the time, though. So, yeah, that was uh, helped bring you here, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, having played on a variety of different teams and, and different leagues in your career, what are some of the things you've learned along the way at the different teams that you try to bring with you now here to uh, Mineral Ohio? Um, well, I've been on a lot of talented teams that didn't do well in playoffs, and I've been on underdogs that have won championships. So uh, one thing I think would be resiliency you know, and what it takes to be successful in playoffs. And, uh, you know, throughout a long season, it's always great to have lots of talent, but, you know, it takes a certain mental toughness and attention to detail that wins games uh, when it counts. And that's one of the things I really like about the front office here. You know, the work ethic that uh, Nick Russo and Coach Ragno have is just great to be around. And they treat this like a nine to five job, you know, year round. So I'm real excited to work with them. And, Again, help wherever I'm needed. Yeah, that's really a great point. You talk about the grit. I mean, you see it a lot in sports. Uh, you know, you need a level of talent to be there. But, uh, you know, I think when you have those intangibles like the grit or the, the work ethic, you know, a good team goes to great, a great team goes to excellent and all the way up and down the line. So I think that's a great point you bring up about that. Yeah, for sure. I've seen it play out. A couple more questions here. Um, so what do you do outside of hockey, just so fans can kind of get a look into your life? Like, what's your day job outside of playing pro hockey? Uh, well, back home, I have a couple of jobs. I've, I'm a strength conditioning coach uh, for X Hockey Performance, a company in New Jersey. And uh, I also own a little landscaping company, too, back home. So it actually works out great for me because, you know, once the winter starts, uh, you know, my season's kind of over. So I'm able to go play hockey until the spring. Yeah, that works out perfectly. So <laughs> when you're out on the ice, you've played in a lot of rinks. Here, here's a tough one for you. Your favorite rink you've ever played in? Ooh, uh, there's a few, but, uh, you know, there's just something special about that Lake Placid 1980 rink. Uh, you know, the history behind it, you know, the underdog story. Uh, you know, it's just inspiring and really fun to play on that sheet. When did you end up playing there? Oh, I played, uh, you know, youth hockey. I played Can-Am tournaments there. And actually, most recently, as uh, last summer, they have men's league tournaments there. So just for fun. Oh, that's yeah, really just cool. Just for fun. It's nice to get up there sometimes. So before we let you go, Josh, and we, we're talking with Josh Newberg, named to the uh, player assistant coach now for the men or icebreakers. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, we're not sure – when exactly the season is going to start, the schedule is going to be coming out soon, release. But, you know, we're hoping on some point in the winter playing hockey, and I know you are too. But um, if you wanted to say one thing to the fanatics out there, just as the season, you know, is hopefully going to get started soon, um, about what, what we're going to see on the ice this year and how you're going to help be a part of that, what, what would you want to say to them? Yeah, definitely uh, looks like we have an extended off season here. So, uh you know, with all the signings we've made this summer, um, you know, I hope uh, the Fanatics are as excited to see some hockey as I am. You know, we're ready to get back at it, uh, you know, just like any other season uh, with a lot of, anticip a lot of anticipation. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I just hope uh, they're as excited as we are because, uh, you know, we have a lot of talented players that are looking forward to having a successful season. Well, great stuff, Josh, and we really do appreciate you taking some time uh, to join us on the second episode of Into the Depths, and uh, congratulations on being uh, named to the player assistant coach. I can't wait to see you out there on the ice helping the icebreakers to victory. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for all you do. Very informative. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thanks a lot, Josh, and uh, we'll see you soon.
All right, now it's time for the debut of the Fan Mailbox segment with Director of Hockey Operations and General Manager Nick Russo, where we're going to take a listen and hear your voices out there from the Fanatics. So every time we do this, you'll be able to submit your questions. And first, we want to welcome on Nick Russo with us. So, Nick, thanks for joining us here today. No problem, guys. Looking forward to this. So some great questions from the Fanatics. We got five, or six questions, excuse me, coming your way. And the first one is from Mike. And Mike would like to know, uh, he would love to hear your thoughts on the process of recruiting players to the FPHL. How do you sell Mentor to a player? And what leagues and areas are hotspots for potential FPHL players? Great question. Um, well, you know, Mentor is a, a great suburb of Cleveland. You know, a lot of the kids we go after, uh, obviously, are from all, all over the world. You know, when you look at some of the other cities, not to badmouth some of the cities in the league, but um, I'll use Battle Creek as an example because they're defunct now. I, I think Mentor is a much nicer place. Um, no offense to the people in Battle Creek. So Mentor itself is a great area, um, you know, right on the lake, metropolitan area. You got major sports, you got major culture. Um, and that's kind of not normal in the federal league. As far as, um, you know, who we're kind of going after, I think Sebastian and I have kind of find, found our niche in uh, two different, uh, three different places. One, um, you know, college hockey, uh, ACHA Division One, uh, Division Two, um, NCAA D3. Um, that's my background. We've got a lot of kids from there. We've also gotten a lot of kids from the GMHL. Um, that seems to be a, a, a hotbed. Uh, also, um, we have a friend. I have a friend out in um, the uh, Edmonton, Calgary area. Well, it's a big area. That's two separate places. But out in uh, the Alberta area. And um, he's been a huge help bringing in guys like Kodiak White Duck. Uh, you know, things, guys like that. So, um I, that's really been our hotbed. And just to follow up for uh, fanatics that might not be familiar, uh, the GMHL is based out of, explain a little bit about that just so they well, know. It's a junior league out of Ontario, uh, uh, the Metro, Greater Metropolitan Hockey League. And those are kids that um, didn't necessarily, for one reason or another, we all know why people are where they are. For one reason or another, they didn't play major junior A like in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League or, you know, a league like that. Um, but they're still very, very, very skilled players. All right, so our next question we have is from Dennis. Uh, he wants to know if you're as excited as he is to begin the season. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, I know that sounds silly, but, well, it doesn't sound silly. Uh, this has been a really rough time, we all know. Um, my body clock, you know, when you've been doing this, well, as a player now and a, as a coach, uh, I've been at this for over 50 years. Um, you know, your body clock comes September is ticking and, you know, you're ready to go. It's season, you know, it's in season. And um, I'm just really chomping at the bit. I can't wait to see um, all the hard work Sebastian and I have done. Um, I can't wait to see it on the ice. Unfortunately, it's going to be delayed a little bit, but um you know, I'm very excited. All right, our next question comes from Brad. It's a player-specific question. How dynamic of a defenseman is Alfonso Diaz? Well, the, Alfonso, first of all, is, is, a, is a, a very important player to our team because he, he plays with a lot of heart and character. As far as uh, his ability, you know, he, he's a little bit on the smaller size, but he's a very skilled player, so he can help out in many as um, aspects of the game. Um, he can jump into the rush. You know, he, he's got the skill level of a little bit smaller guy, uh, but he's got the heart of a lion, and he can still play big. So uh, Alfonso is a you know, big uh, component to our defensive core. Next question here is from Colin. He says, how important are two-way players? What are you most excited about for the upcoming season? Okay, two-part question. Two and one. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, uh, two-way players are, are, are essential at, at any level. You know, the uh, you have to play in a, we call it a six-man unit. So 
even the goalie can be offensive. You know, the puck comes in, he stops the puck, and he, and he dishes it off the defenseman. Well, that starts the breakout, correct? So, you know, um, you know, uh, forwards backchecking. Um, you know, you, you have to play in that, um, you know, as a unit all up and down the ice. The only one that can't leave the, the uh, area, a certain area, is the goalie. But the other five guys have to play as a five-man unit all over the ice. If we have the puck, we're on offense, all of us. And if we don't have the puck, we're all on defense. It's pretty simple. So two-way players are what wins championships. Um, you know, the, um, the second part of the question was, uh, I think it was uh, how, what was it, how excited what am I? What are you I? most excited about for the upcoming season? Oh, I'm excited about all the new blood. Um, you know, as you guys know, we've really done a lot of work um, bringing in pieces to the puzzle. We kept some core pieces. You know, um, but the, the, the key here, the excitement is all the new kids and all the new faces and how the chemistry is going to work. So um, I think it's going to be awesome. So as a good question, number five, coming from Jerry, how much grit do you think is on the roster? And he says, I'm tired of Carolina and Elmira taking liberties with our guys. Well, <clears throat> I just got off the phone with the Charleston Chiefs, and I think I have the Hansons coming in for uh, PTO. There you go. <laughs> uh, Oglethorpe, I think, is going to be released by Syracuse. So um, I think we're toughening up right there. But all kidding aside, um, you know, they, they are teams that are, are gritty. You know, everybody knows that when you play Elmira, you got to keep your head up. Same thing with Carolina. I mean, heck, even their coach fights in Carolina. Um <laughs> You know, uh, so I, I hope I don't have to fight Robbie Nichols, but, um, you know, we'll see. No, I love Robbie. But, um, no, we, we, we've done some things. We brought in a lot of size. I don't necessarily think it comes to fighting. So I, I was kidding when I said that. But it's, it's grit. I mean, Jerry makes a great comment. We need to get gritty. We need to get dirty. And, by the way, Gritty's a great mascot in Philly. But, um, no, I, we, we've had a lot of size and a lot of toughness. And our last question here, I, I'd say, is our most important. It comes from our friend Jake Mullen. wants to know, how handsome are your goalies for the upcoming season? <laughs> well, I, I don't think anybody's more handsome than Jake, to be honest with you. I, 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 I think Jake is the most handsome goalie we have, considering I haven't really seen the other ones yet. <laughs> um, so he's, he's number one. He's number one in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, yeah, that's a great wrap-up question. But uh, I think the Fanatics asked some good questions here in the first edition of Fan Mailbox. And uh, we're with the general manager and director of hockey operations, Nick Russo. And, Nick, you said any questions that they want to ask, whether it's about the on-ice product, about last season, about this season, or anything in between, you'll take the questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not here to hide. I'm not a, I'm not a politician. Well, we like that about you. So thank you for joining us today. And Jared, uh, how, how can they, uh, for, in a future segment, get their questions out there for, for General Manager Nick Russo to answer? Well, we'll ask for questions again on social media before we do the segment again, but also on our website. If you go into the media tab, uh, there's a page for the Into the Depths podcast. You can click at the bottom of that page. There's a form you can fill out, uh, just your name and your question. We'll get to it next episode. Well, thank you, Nick, for joining us today. And we'll round up some more questions for you in the future. And uh, I think the Fanatics will appreciate your, your answers here today. Awesome, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. Okay, so now time for our Around the FPHL segment where we take a look around the league, all the latest news and transactions. Just a couple of pieces of news to cover this time. Uh, first of all, Ryan Marker who really is the uh, centerpiece of the Watertown Wolves roster right now, or had planned on being that, is going to be overseas, it looks like, playing in Slovakia this season. So that's a big loss for the Watertown Wolves this year. Yeah, Ryan Marker was big-time player for the Delaware Thunder. He was keeping them in the hunt with the amount of scoring. He was one of the top three scorers in the FPHL last year, and Watertown getting him was a big boon, especially losing Juric to Elmira. So we'll see if he uh, stays overseas or if he comes back at all, but... Definitely something to keep an eye on for Watertown's front office, and uh, that's a lot of offense that you're either getting on the ice or, or not getting. So uh, you got his numbers last year. I mean, with Delaware, 55 points. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. 
And with the Watertown Wolves, only 12 games, he had 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 total points. So almost averaging two points a game. It's a ton of offense to lose. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Another thing that we've uh, saw this week on one of the FPHL Facebook pages was asking fans out there who would be on the inaugural cover of FPHL 21, the game. You know, I don't know if there's actually a game coming out ever. But if there was an FPHL video game, who would you put on the cover? Uh, and maybe secondarily, if it was an icebreaker, who would it be? Because I don't think an icebreaker would be the person, no offense to the icebreakers, but with the history of the league, there'd be somebody on one of the more storied teams at this point. But my question for you, Jared, pick a icebreaker and a non-icebreaker to don the first cover. As much as everybody hates him around the league, you got to go with Ahmed Mafus is the cover athlete. And he's Mr. FPHL. He leads in like every single category. You know, when when the FPHL gets the uh, the video game budget rolling, <laughs> I think he'll be he'll be a cover athlete. But for the icebreakers, it's a tougher one because there's been so much turnover. Um, I guess I'd have to go with probably Jake Mullen, or we could go with the legend Kodiak White Duck with the the game winner in his one game with the icebreakers. One of the two. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm going to pick two different people just because I don't want to say the same. So I'm going to say Yurich, uh, uh, the amount of points he's put. I know it's second to Mafus, but, you know, just a staple in the league. He had chances to move up as well and uh, been a staple in the league for Watertown and now Elmira. And for the icebreakers, I'm going to go with the Painesville, Ohio native, Declan Conway. That's a good one. So just a little something fun. Maybe you could uh, think about it, put it up on the PHL page, put in the icebreakers pages either, and uh, just have some fun with it. Uh, no, this isn't the release party for the video game. I don't believe FPHL 21 is hitting shelves tomorrow when games come out. But if there was, just something fun to think about. And, uh, you know, as promised, we'll, as soon as that schedule's released, we'll get that to you and dive into it. But we got some fun things on tap for the next show as well, so you're going to have to check us out in two weeks. It's hard to believe tomorrow is September I mean, that's crazy to think about being the 31st today. But we got some fun things in store for Episode 3 of Into the Depths with the Men or Icebreakers. So keep posted on our website, everything, and check out that team store. Get those summer shirts before uh, summer's over. And those are some pretty cool designs. And some other brand-new merch up there, too. Etched glasses, coasters, and koozies that look like jerseys, all available on the Men or Icebreakers team store. So, Jared, thanks for joining us uh, Say a good uh, view here today. The bleachers are getting set up here at Men Ice Arena. Yeah, it's definitely been a fun episode. Um, one more thing I want to mention is definitely follow us on social media, Men Ice Breakers on Facebook, uh, FPHL Icebreakers on Twitter, and at Men Ice Breakers on Instagram. That's how you can get all the uh, just the latest updates around the podcast and the team in general if this offseason goes on. And until next time, we'll see you all later.